Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rami Alijo, your host of People Processes. We're so excited to have you tune in today. Today, we are interviewing Lee Carraher. She is the founder and CEO of Double Forte PR, uh, Double Forte PR and Digital Marketing. She is the author of Millennials and Management, The Essential Guide to Making It Work at Work. She based the book on her experience with epically failing and then succeeding at retaining millennials in her business. Her second book, The Boomerang Principle, Inspiring Lifetime Loyalty from Employees, was published in 2017. It's a pragmatic and actionable guide to creating high-performing work cultures ready for the future, and we are so excited to have her on. Lee, are you there? I'm here, Rami. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm ecstatic to have you. I want to start with figuring out how you got into your current business, doing PR and and really writing a lot about really HR work. So I started my uh, in my PR career after college. I graduated from Carleton College in Minnesota with a degree in medieval history, very helpful. And uh, I did not know what I was going to do. And I, my friend Ramona and I were talking and she said, you know, you should really check out this PR thing. I think you'd do good in it do good, do well in it. And uh, so I uh, <laughs> checked it out. And here I am almost like a little more than 30 years later, having been in the public relations career and communications career my whole career. 30 years, man. You uh, you must have started at, I guess, what, age age two, age, age three, walked right out of college. Age three, you know, yeah. I was very Prodigy. advanced. Sure. <laughs> well, well, in 30 years of doing this, I know you've had some crazy highs and some probably pretty pretty rough lows. So what I love to do is start with our guests talking about their their most their toughest time because I think our listeners learn more from the failures in in our uh, in our listener in our in our guests stories than they do from the successes. Mm-hmm. So why don't you take us really to that that time? Maybe maybe even like a specific day you realized you'd had you had a problem. What happened and and tell us that story, and then we can talk about maybe some of the things that our listeners could learn from it. Sure. So I started my company with a co-founder, a very good friend who we'd worked together uh, many years um, before we started the company. And four years in, he said, you know, I really don't want to do this PR thing anymore, Lee. And um, he left the company. Um, and actually, he came back, um, and then he left again, um, which is about my second book, Boomerang. But while I was um, going forward, and then a few years ago, I was thinking about what is next? What is next for the company? Um, the company mm. needs to transcend my tenure there. And who would take over for me? There really wasn't anybody in the company who either wanted to or could, I thought, um, become the CEO of the entity. So I um, was intent on bringing somebody in. I did that. I brought someone I knew pretty well, I thought, into the company. And there were some cultural things were a bit different, um, as mm-hmm. you always will. You know, you can't, everything is not static. And But my gut, um, I was very intent on finding this person and getting that person in place, um, which I did. And after a couple of years, um, some gut things happened. I was like, oh, well, you know, it's just him. He's just different than me, et cetera, et cetera. And then mm-hmm. one day, or well, one week, um, he lost four clients all at the same time, really for the same reason, um, not for our performance, but really about him. And I oh, was like, okay, ding, 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 ding. I go, you have to listen to your gut. So um, we parted ways, and I wished him well. Um, and But it takes a long time to recover from that. You know, you don't just like one day have a succession plan and the next day get rid of that person and say okay everything's okay you really have to rebuild right the cascading really everything yeah and so that's what i learned yeah we had a 
Yeah. We had a guest on not too long ago, very similar situation brought on a COO with the idea of this person eventually taking over and the, the investment and transition time to getting them up. And then, and then that person not working out, it, it, it's a it's a morale hit if if nothing else, not to mention mm-hmm. operationally. Well, and it, it hits your bottom line as well, right? So, big oh yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not to mention yeah, <laughs> big, big piles of money. money, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm I'm sorry to hear about that. So, if if our listeners who are in their first couple of years of business and they're they're thinking about similar concerns to you had, what do you think maybe they could take from your story? that they could, they could learn from your mistakes? What should they do when they're trying well, I think to accomplish one, something similar? If you're just in the beginning of your business and you have a partner, make sure that you have a great prenup. Whatever that agreement is between the, t- the partners on how they will leave, what the calculation will be for an earnout, what are the conditions, whatever that is. You, you know, just batter that out before you get started because um, you will hate each other one moment in time for sure. Um, it's going to happen. Um, and you can get past it if you have really good agreements. So um, that was the, on mm. my co-founder. You know, it was very clear what, what had to happen and what he had to do to get the maximum value out of the company for himself, which I was very happy to write the check for because he fulfilled all the agreements we had put in before, put in place before. On the second piece, bringing a successor in very tough. You know, it's one of the things that mm. big companies struggle with so much. Um, and I think Absolutely. that if your gut is telling you something about the person, no matter what their credentials are, no matter how much you know them, no matter how much success they've had in the past, if your gut is telling you something, you need to listen to it and don't ignore um, what's happening just because you want it to work out. I like that. So on these big, these big decisions, these succession issues, listen to your gut. If you're feeling something wonky, time to, time to really zoom in on that and pay attention. Don't wait. I like that. Well, yeah. Well, your book, which came out in 2017 is, is the boomerang principle. Um, What is the boomerang principle? How does that even, what does that, what does that mean? The boomerang principle is the idea that those companies and organizations that don't just allow, but actually encourage people to return to them as employees once they've left have a strategic advantage over those that don't. Um, and something that we've practiced at the Forte since the beginning, um, we're a small company, we have 37 people right now, um, and we have rehired 16 people and we've rehired four people twice. So, um, and across the board, if you look at um, those companies that do rehire people, these people are the highest performers they have in their entity. So the more we move sure. to that port of point of view of, of uh, having people return to the company when they've left, the better it is for the people who are there and the better it is for your bottom line. That's a very unique, I mean, just interesting idea. We've had, you know, this is an HR mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, my company, Poplar Financial, we work on the processes and systems around human mm-hmm. resources. So systematizing things like onboarding and, mm-hmm. and offboarding, which everybody goes yep. through. We talk about it all the time. Um, is a huge part of that, but everyone focuses on retention. Right. How do you keep people from leaving? You're saying, no, 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 no. Allow them to leave. And in, in fact, encourage exploration, mm-hmm. but make sure they Correct. come back. Yes. Is that the idea? And the reason is a few things. One is when you create an, an environment that people return to, you're creating an environment and a culture that people have a hard time leaving, right? People don't return to something bad. They only return to something good, number one. 
So if you have an environment and a culture that helps people return, you actually have an, a, a culture that helps people stay longer and retention is built into that. Number one. Number two sure. is when you um, actually have someone return to you, they are more valuable to you the second time around than they were the, the first for many reasons. One is um, you already know that they've worked well with you in your culture. They already have proved themselves as uh, one of you, um, whatever that culture company is. The second is they've gone out into the world and learned other things that they're bringing back to you. Um, and you can apply um, a, a more worldly view to the work that they're going to be doing. And we all know, and there's lots and lots of data that says the more different inputs you have, the better decisions you make. And the problem with retention sometimes is that we can become more inwardly, inwardly focused, right? Stagnant. Um, right. And when uh, it's really a challenge to get outside points of view into um, a group that stays together for a long time. And I found this in my own business now. Um, and But when you have someone come back, right, they go, you know, I learned this thing out there. What if we do it here? And um, they bring other things back to you and they know what could and could not work. Um, and third is they come on board. You know, it doesn't they're not 100 percent day two. Right. But they're 100 percent around day 35, 40, which is so much. Right. Of because a it, new employee. Yeah. Right. A new employee takes six to six months to one year to become fully functional in any entity. Yeah, yeah. And uh, such an interesting idea. Obviously, they're more valuable. And there's also the grass is greener on the other side mentality, which has been, mm -hmm. you know, if they're coming back, they've seen the other side. They, yeah. Right. And so it's great for your current right. employees, right? Oh, I guess it wasn't so great out there. Oh, interesting. So, <laughs> so why, I guess I, I, that makes sense. If an employee is going to leave you, you want them to come back. Um assuming you didn't like throw them if out because qualified. they're thieves or something like, I mean, you, yeah, yeah. Yes. But so what, <laughs> how do you do that? What are like the steps to actually creating a system mm -hmm. that encourages return work? Yeah. Well, the, it starts on day one, right? It starts on day one. I meet every new employee in the company uh, in their first two weeks. And one of the first things I say to them, Rami is, um, hi, I know you're going to leave us. So what I really, it's really important to us is that when you do leave here, that you never take Double Forte off your resume. And that is a point of pride that you were at Double Forte. And I hope you're here for a long time. And I hope that um, it's mutually rewarding. And I hope that you grow and become, you know, learn new things and achieve your own personal goals within the constructs of our company. But I know you're, when you hire someone, you know they're going to leave. So, but I know that you're probably not going to stay here for the rest of your life, but I hope when you do that it's good, that it's positive, and that when you're no longer interested, come and talk to us and we will help you find what's next. Um, and then I hope you come back. I How say that in the first week of their of their employment. And of course, some people are like, uh, I just got here. You're talking <sighs> about leaving. But I think it's important to like set the tone. I, you know, set the tone. The tone I want to set is, Double Forte, we want Double Forte to be, to be important to your career, and we're set up to do that. We're also set up to do really, really good PR digital communications, and we have to do those two things together. And that means, one, we have very high standards of work that we're going to be training for, be mentoring for, be fostering. And two, it's going to be a good conversation with every employee around what is it that is their goal? How do you see yourself? What do you want to know about this job? Um, right. If it's an entry-level person, you know, they don't want to know that it's only one path. What are the paths they could take? And to have really good conversations with these people, not just at review time, but throughout the course of the year, um, mm -hmm. to see what's going on. What are you interested in? My own assistant, 
who came to the company. Um, he's actually just left. He was at the company for almost five years. He came from Michigan. He wanted to be an actor, but he knew he wasn't going to be able to do that full time. So he wanted to be an assistant so he could then sort of get out by 530 and go to the um, and go act. And he mm-hmm. did that. And then one day I'm, I turned around. He was great at it. And I turned around and he was he was drawing a greeting card for his mother. And it was amazing. And I'm like, David, did you do that? He goes, yeah, it's for, you know, it's my lunch hour. I'm like, oh, I'm not, I don't care about the lunch hour part. I'm like, I didn't know you were an artist. You didn't tell us you were an artist. Well, I didn't think you'd care. What? Do you want to do that here? Do you want to use, oh, I'd love to do that here. I mean, who knew, right? And when he told us he was leaving, you know, one of the reasons he stayed so long, almost five years for somebody under 30 is uh, a long time in San Francisco. Right, absolutely. When he told us he was leaving, he goes, one of the reasons I stayed so long is because I got to do the things that I love um, at Devil Forte and help the company doing those things. So when you can find those interests and they can be so much more valuable than just the job description you hire for, because the job description is just one facet of those people's role and how people show up in the world. So, you know, he's gone. I hope he comes back. He's already sent us two uh, people who might be great employees. So already he's um, come back to us in a, in a way he didn't have to do that. And that's the loyal part, right? It used to be the old paradigm used to be, if you leave me, like when you work for me, you're not loyal and you're dead to me. Well, Loyalty is actually not when you're getting paid. That is a transaction. I give you a paycheck, you're supposed to show up, which frankly is not a skill, but you need to do it. And um, that's a paid transaction. Loyal act is when you don't expect anything in return. That you're out there in the world, you go, you know what? I met Joe. Joe would be awesome at Devil Forge. I'm going to give Lee a call and say, hey, you should talk to Joe. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that for me. He didn't do that for Joe. He didn't do it for himself. But that's a loyal act. Um, Thinking about the betterment Mm -hmm. of whoever you're talking to, right? When you don't expect anything in return. So that's what I'm talking about in the boomerang principle is if we get away from thinking about loyalty just when we pay people, right? Um, And thinking about, I want someone to be loyal to the company for their entire career. Well, how does that work? What does that look like? That looks like them going out into the world and always keeping in touch with us, always being um, connected to Devil Forte. And when a, when something comes across their viewpoint that could benefit the company, they pick up the phone and they make it happen. That's a loyal act. So how, how do you keep them involved yeah. after they leave? I mean, so you treat them right when they're with you, you onboard them with the expectation of understanding. Also, one thing about your first week conversation that, that struck me is it also gives you a little bit more... You know, I think a lot of employers, as you said, they they're they're pretending, or kind of inferred anyway. I inferred they're pretending that when they hire someone right. at twenty seven, that they're going to retire <laughs> well, from sixty five, right? And right? they're like, we want you, yeah, yeah, or sixty eight, yeah, we want you to work for us forever, and that's our goal. And when you state your goal as that, you know, one thing that that puts you in a position is when an employee is not the right. When an employee has needs, whether they're temporary or permanent, that do not fit the company's needs, right? Um, so I don't know. Maybe they they they're in a they don't have the skills to generate a, a required uh, salary, or they have some issues that need to be worked on before they move to another step or something. You're put in a weird position in saying that we want you to stay here forever, but also uh, we can't satisfy right. the immediate needs you're presenting. 
Whereas if you're saying, look, this is the place for you for now and we want you here, we want we want this to be your place forever. But if it's not, mm-hmm. we want you to stay loyal. We want to, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, getting over a little bit of a cough. Uh, we want you to join us and we want you to you know come back and, mm-hmm. and, and be a part of us long term. You're also implicitly stating if this isn't the right fit for you, 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 you get to move on and we're all still friends Absolutely. and we can continue to work together. And it takes a little pressure off the company to be like, we have to, we have to meet your immediate needs um, all the time, forever, for the entire future of our lives. Well, it also takes pressure. I think it takes pressure off both sides, right? It's sort of like stating the obvious. And as long as people aren't pretending, you're just removing a lot of pressure and anyway, right? And then... Right. It's not, it's not like any other company yeah. is going to give you a pay... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just that you're being more honest. That, was, that used to be the expectation, right? The expectation right. used to be... When uh, my parents were working, you come, you go, and when you when you go, it's when you're getting your watch and you're retiring. I mean that, and that has changed. You know that used to be the American dream, and we could talk forever about this, Rami. And I have a lot of stats and statistics and data, and maybe we can talk about it some other time. But that's just not reality anymore. And instead, particularly for younger people who um, know, they already know that whatever job they have today will look different in five years. Unlike people my age who are like, Oh, I've learned a skill. I can do it for the rest of my life. Right. It's not true anymore. It is not true anymore. And anything you do today, um, will, if you have a job title today, that job title is going to look very, very different in three or four years. So the, um, you're also setting expectation for if it doesn't work, we'll help you find something that does help you be successful somewhere else. Um, and that's what we're all about, right? Very How do you keep, you know, the most productive um, organizations are the happiest organizations. The happiest organizations are most right. productive organizations. So you have to have, you know, the most positive, high producing teams are ones that are very clear on mission, very clear on their own role and very clear on what they, who they are as people and how they're going to, um, how do they want to move in the world? Um, so so when it. someone comes to you and says, look, I, I don't think it's, you know, I, I want something new. I know I'd love to see if it can be done here, but if it can't be, I mean, do you guys as a PR firm, are you like, you said you, you've mentioned a few times, we'll help you find yep. somewhere else. What does that mean? So um, as long as you're having a conversation with us, we can do that. Right. So I'll give you a couple examples. One woman came to, um, came to her manager a few years ago and said, she really, she, you know, she wants to be a nurse. Well, you can't be a nurse and be about double forte. <laughs> We're just never going to be a hospital, right? right? So <clears throat> it was like, well, how can we help you do that? How can we help you do that? Well, we could help her do that by allowing her to work different hours with a different structure so that she could go to nursing school um, during the day and during the night, you know, get a schedule. So she worked for us for probably nine more months um, and her schedule was wonky and she didn't have um, all the responsibilities she'd had before, but she got a lot of work done for us while she went to nursing school. So that's us mm-hmm. helping her, right? In the end, she actually had to move home to where her parents live because her father's ill. Um, and she didn't go become a nurse mm-hmm. because she needed to be the earner now for her family. And she went into PR. So again, she was another PR firm. And so when she told us this is what she was going to do, I was like, Give me the companies you want to talk to. I will call them all right now. So that was one way. Another person um, leaving actually this week, his uh, his, uh, last day is tomorrow. He's been with us almost eight years. 
I've been talking to him for about 18 months. And when I say I've been, he came to me and said, you know, I don't know what I want to do, Lee. I don't know if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I'm like, okay, well, you don't have to quit because you don't know what you want to do for the rest of your life, but you do have to keep up your, keep up your standards and keep being double forte. And what, and basically we've been talking on and off for 18 months. Um, And at the beginning of this year, we talked some more and I knew that probably this year he would leave. But we had several um, big things happen all at the same time. And uh, one of our people lost her husband and was on bereavement and he filled in for her. And then we had two huge projects that ended around the same time. And those projects ended and this woman came back from bereavement and he came to me and said, you know, I still don't know what I want to do, but if I'm going to leave this year, now is the time before Mm -hmm. I get redeployed. So, you know, and then he gave us seven weeks of notice. Wow. So he gave seven weeks of notice. He's been in conversation with us. I'm like, how can I help you? He's like, I don't know yet, but I'll ask when it happens. And he has, um, we were talking last week and he was basically in tears. He goes, how do you leave a company you love? I said, I don't know, but you're doing a good job at it. So, right. Um, and um, and, you and know, if you go join was, the circus and it doesn't work out in six months, give us a call back. Right? I hope he comes back, right? right. Um, he'll come back in some way, for sure. I don't, sure. I'm not doubting that at all. But what, what can we do to help those people fulfill their own goals? Because frankly, the most loyal act an employee can do is leave when they're no longer excited about what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Right? That's the most loyal act an employee who you're paying can do um, is explore other things in the company, see if there's other opportunity for themselves. And if there isn't, to say, you know what? I need to do something different. I love this place, but my own life, these are the things, and I, I need to go. Okay. How can we help you? Okay. You know? Okay. So congratulations is really, you know, the first piece of that. Like, oh, well, and never counter. I never, ever counter. Because right. if I'm countering, it means I did something wrong beforehand. So um, I need to acknowledge that mistake and not counter during the whole thing. Yeah, I've, I've, I've stressed that in the past. That I've, I've, I've probably seen, you know, in 10 years of working inside hundreds of HR companies mm-hmm. I've seen or hundreds of companies that counter decision. I have never, ever, ever seen it no. come out. Right. It's not good. I mean, you can't, some, a lot of times I keep the employee, but then two years later, you're in a worse you're position. You're in a worse position because you think yeah, everybody doesn't know. Right you think everybody doesn't know that they've been countered. Everybody knows. Right. Right. It just start the whole yo-yo of, of, of dissatisfaction. Well, I think you have, that's such an interesting idea. And I, I, I just think it's awesome. And it's, it's interesting, but you know, a lot of people write books inside their, um, well, look, they, if you ran a PR company, you should probably write a book yes. about doing PR. <laughs> that's the idea, that right? That's the idea. So, so I think it's awesome. You've written this book and I think the concept is just staggeringly interesting. I, I, we could talk for hours, but our show's for only about 30 minutes. So I'm going to move on to a couple rapid fire yeah. questions, but I, ha- I want to ask one question, which is like, what are you trying to accomplish mm-hmm. with this book? I mean, do you think that you're going to, your books, I mean, are they going to write, are you going to sell 40,000 copies and, and make lots of money or like, what's, why'd you write the you book? Know, I wrote the book for a couple of reasons. One, um, uh, in the communications business, uh, communications, um, is all about leadership. It's all about about connecting, about making sure that, um, you know, what you say is what you do is what people understand. And as a, as a leader of a company, a CEO of a company that, you know, I run a company that does PR, right. But the company part is about leadership, about people, about vision, about future. 
And that's actually also exactly. the work that I mostly do with our clients. I mostly do deal with the C-suite of our clients who are worrying about the same things I am as the CEO of my company. So at the time of my first book, when everyone was failing dramatically with millennials, I mean, I, I had, when I, you said <laughs> at the beginning, I had epic failure, right? So I had six, I had hired six people um, who were in the millennial category uh, within eight weeks of each other. And within three months, they were all gone. And one we walked and five walked themselves. And I'd never in my life had 100% failure in retention ever. And it was a wake yeah. up call. And I think for me, I was just like, okay, that can't be us. I mean, that can't be recruiting because we are good recruiters. That's got to, it can't be them. We couldn't have hired six bad people all at the same time. We have to be the ones. We, we had to start looking at ourselves. What did we do wrong? And I started looking at it and I, everything I read about, right. I didn't know what a millennial was, um, was negative. And I was like, it can't be true that 80 million people are entitled and terrible. Um, and, and I decided to ignore everything <laughs> right. I was reading and just go back to the basics and do my own research and figure it out myself because what, everything I was reading was not helpful. Um, and there weren't very many books or articles written by people actually leading people. They were written by journalists, or they're written by consultants, or they're written by people who actually weren't doing anything. Um, and I really had a, um, a visceral reaction to what I was reading. I was like, eh, you're not really, you know. Yeah, I, 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 every once in a while, I wind up on here with a with a consultant kind of, right? you know. Really should be. They, they always have good information. But one of the things that really bugs me is when we're talking about people leadership, and they don't, and, they don't leave. And they've never had an employee. Right. You know? No, it's not the same. Never had an employee. And I'm just like, ah. It's like the people who are in strategy in companies and go, why didn't you get that done? Well, have you tried to run a business? Thank you. Anyway, right. so um, I was doing all this work for my companies in the same things that we learned um, for ourselves, right? A lot of trial and error, a lot of interact, you know, this kind of stuff. And my clients were like, you should just write a book, Lee, because it'll make it a lot easier for yourself. I'm like, oh, no one wants to hear from me on this. And because I write, I'm a PR person. What do I know about leadership? Well, apparently I know a lot uh, and I'm good at it. And um, I, my clients were just kept pushing on me to write this book. Um, and then um, I was meeting with a publisher for some totally different answer and something happened in the room and she goes, oh, publish that book. I'm like, what book are you talking about? I don't have a book. That book about millennials. Get that done. So um, I was also in EO. EO is Entrepreneurial Organization. It's made up, uh, it's like the YPO for entrepreneurs and mm -hmm. uh, very much a gestalt organization sharing our experiences, not telling people what to do. Um, and uh, more and more of the EO chapters around the country were asking me to come talk about what I was learning in my company, my little baby company. Um, and I just thought it would be valuable. And so based on that, I published the book. And um, I think, uh, and the next book came out of the reaction to the first book because the, the boomerang principle came out of when I was speaking around the country about this stuff. I really feel passionately about, you know, saying who you are, saying don't lie, <laughs> say what you are, do what you say, and make people understand it. I mean, that's, I mean, as a profession, right. PR is right up my alley because I believe that that makes good in the world. Um, and then having helping people understand how to do that um, from a leadership perspective helps people have better businesses. And that's what the books are about. On the Boomerang Principle, I went around the country talking about millennials and management. And every time, every single talk, uh, and I did over 100 of these talks, someone would raise their hand and go, you know, I'm not putting any time into these millennials because, you know, they're going to leave me. And as soon as they leave me, they're dead to me. And I'd be like, no, that's wrong. Don't think of right. it that way. So, um, 
I knew that that was a huge problem. So that's what I, I wrote the second book around that because it's the same thing written from a different point of view. How do you create a, a relevant, in, now, and what, today that means intergenerational, right? Uh, intergenerational, high-producing, right. positive workplace. And that's what it is. Right. And of course, people don't realize, but this, this year's an interesting year because millennials will outnumber any other generation. Correct. This year. And, right. But yeah. also, we're, being, we're all working longer. Right. right. 65 is a, that is a glimmer. Right. right? When, I was, when I started my career, so I'm the last year of Boomer, we all thought we were retiring at 50. All oh, wow. of us, right? Well, that came and went. And, you know, I know so many boomers and silence who are still working because they lost so much money 10 years ago. Um, and they're still recovering right. from that. So we're all working until we're 70 or 80. And if you think about life expectancy today, if you're born today, you have over 50% chance of living until you're 110. Right. Well, if you're 110 and you're retiring at 40, you need a 50-year retirement plan. Um, the 1%, the 1% of the 1% is the only ones who can afford sure. that. So we're all going to be working much longer. Um, and we're all going to have the brain power to work much longer. So we just have to be thinking about work in a very different way than our parents did. Right. Um, and it's a transition that we have to get used to knowing that probably if we do the same thing our whole lives, we will be bored to tears. Right. It's a lot longer so, work life. Right. So part of this for writing for my books, so the purpose of them was to explore um, other things that I can bring to my business, other things I can bring to the people I care about, other thing, other good things I can put in the world because um, we're all changing so much. That's awesome. Well, let me ask you a couple of rapid fire questions just to get, yeah. get a couple ideas out there. One, if you could recommend one book to go alongside the boomerang principle and of course people processes, uh, mm -hmm. what would you recommend for a new entrepreneur to read? I would say uh, Hire the A-Team by Whitney Johnson. Hire the A-Team by Whitney Johnson. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes down below. If you could go back in time and whisper in your ear back on your first day of setting up Double Forte, what would you tell yourself? Um, it's actually going to last more than five years. <laughs> be, be careful. <laughs> Make a long-term long, long plan. Make a long-term plan. Very interesting. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, what's got you most fired up, uh, you know, excited in the next six months with your business? What's coming down the pike? Well, I've just um, moved my family uh, with my family to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which is um, in the middle of the country. And uh, we are opening an office here. It's a big change from San Francisco. It's a big change from San Francisco and New York, which is where I've been spending most of my time for the last 20 years. So um, I'll be sharing my time between Eau Claire and San Francisco and a bit of New York. But we think that there's a lot of opportunity here in the Midwest. Um, and... Um, I'm looking forward to figuring that out. Well, when should our, our listeners, I'm sure some of them are interested in your services, or what do you think uh, should be the trigger for them to contact you, and how should they go about doing so? You know, if people are interested in my leadership ideas around boomerangs and millennials and positive workplaces, they should go to leecareher.com, L-E-E-C-A-R-A-H-E-R.com, and you can find my books and my writing and my Twitter and all that kind of stuff there. I'm at Lee Carriher everywhere. I'm very easy to find. If you're very interested in, um, you can also find my agency there, Double Forte. If you're interested in um, Double Forte's public relations communication services, you can go to double-forte.com or you can email me at lcarriher at double-forte.com. That's awesome.
Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Lee. I'm sure our, uh, there was so much good value you dropped. I'm excited to uh, learn more about your processes. I'm going to be uh, definitely paying attention to you going forward. If there's anything you uh, would like to come back on the show and talk about, you let us know when your next book's thank coming out. Thank you so out. much, Rami. I will do that. Have a great one. Thanks. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. Uh, so appreciate Lee coming on, shared some amazing value information. The idea of creating a workplace that people return to staggering. Now, it's time for you to go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.